0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Summer after I graduated from high school, my parents had this brilliant idea. They decided, without consulting me that I needed to get a job. So I had to go out and start looking for a job. Now, this was quite a while back, and back then there was no Internet. So you couldn't just go online looking for a job. You couldn't go onto Craigslist to look for a job. You could look in the newspaper. Uh, for those of you who are under 15, a newspaper is a bunch of papers that were printed together, and inside there are news. and, and every, day. every day. Thank you. That's right. I did the same thing, see me and Phil, we got this thing going on. On the back of those usually there was uh, classified ads and they'd have jobs there, but those jobs were always like real jobs for, you know, for people who really needed a job. They weren't for people who were just out of high school looking for something to do to keep their parents happy. So I did what every high school kid did when they were looking for a job. I got into the car and I drove around. And for some reason, I ended up at a fast-food restaurant in Pacifica. I don't know how. So I walked in, and it smelled good, so I thought, this might be a good place to work. (laughs) I went up to the counter, I got an application, I filled it out, I met with the manager, the manager asked me a few questions, said, can you start tomorrow? I said, great, I can start tomorrow. And I walked out of there, and I was thinking, That's right. Need a job? Get a job. No problem. (laughs) Went back in, ordered two tacos, and then I went home. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever worked in a fast food restaurant, but the first thing that they do when you start working at a fast food restaurant is they give you a uniform. This is what my uniform looked like. Now, no one who had that uniform was as happy as any of those people in that picture. Which one of those is you? None of those is me. I was hidden in the back. Now listen, when they handed me mine, I wasn't thrilled either. It was this stretchy fabric, and I think they expected that when I put it on, it would stretch a little bit. And uh, mine clearly was used by someone else before me but i was okay with it because i had a job i was going to get a paycheck so i was all in and they asked me to come in at 7 a.m so the next day i i drove up went in 7 a.m to start my job and my job was to slice lettuce to dice tomatoes to boil beans and to cook the ground beef now i had seen ground beef before but I had never seen ground beef in a 25 pound bag. (laughs) It was huge. And I don't know who designed this kitchen, but the counter where you cut the bag open was way over here. And the pot on the stove where you cook the the meat is way over here. So one day, you can see this coming, right? I cut the bag of of beef, and I walk over, trip on something, and out goes 25 pounds of ground beef onto the floor. Now, I want to say, first of all, that I was in high school, or I had just graduated from high school. And secondly, there were no reports of anybody being ill. But in my panic... I dropped to my knees, and I started to scoop the ground beef back into the plastic bag. And I I got most of it. And I picked it up, and I put it into the pot, cleaned up my mess, and no one knew the better. Now, I have to tell you that it was a long, long time before I could eat a taco again. <laughs> and needless to say, I didn't work there for very long. Now, we've all had different jobs. We've had jobs that we've loved, jobs that we've hated. We've had jobs that, that were cool and jobs that weren't so cool. But we've all had that experience. It's, even if you are a, uh, still in school, even if you are high school age teenagers, you've had things that your parents have wanted you to do. So we've all experienced having a boss who is telling us what to do. But if you work long enough, you will eventually, if you want to, get on a track to where you'll become the boss. I remember the first time I became a boss. It was great. There was no one to tell me what to do. I mean, I could do anything I wanted. It didn't always work out. But one of the things that you learn early on is that even when you're the boss, there's always someone that you report to. You're always responsible to somebody. And so the decisions you make are important. So so early on one of the things that I found out was, or that I was taught, and I still believe today, is that when you are hiring somebody, you always hire attitude. You hire attitude over experience. You hire attitude over education. Because it's not that experience is not important and it's not that education is not important but attitude or having a good attitude towards your work to your work environment towards your employers and your coworkers having a good attitude is different because you can't educate someone into a good attitude you can't work someone into a good attitude either they have it or they don't and so one of the best job interview questions that I've ever heard to help you see what person, what a person's attitude is, is this. It's knowing what you know about you, would you hire you? Knowing what you know about you, would you hire you? Knowing how you spend your discretionary time, knowing how you browse the internet, knowing how many times you pull your phone out of your pocket. When you think about your work habits, when you think about the time that you get there and the time that you leave work, when you think about how productive you are, when you think about your attitude towards where you work, knowing what you know about you, would you hire you? And that's an important question for us because people look at us when we're at work. Now, in this series, we've been talking about peace at work and in the very first week we talked about how our work that work matters to God we talked about how God designed us to be able to enjoy the feeling of accomplishment and self-worth from work and last week what we said was that your work matters to God that no matter what you do you are part of God's plan of how he blesses people of how he is able to bless the world Well, today what we're going to look at is that your workplace matters to God. Now, when we think about work, we think about, you know, what we do, how much we make, where our job is taking us, and those are all valid concerns. I have two kids in college, and I'm very concerned about what they're studying, where their careers are going, how much money they're going to be making, all of those things. Those are all important things. But if you are a Christian, there is another layer that we have to be concerned about. Because no matter what you do, your work matters to God and your workplace matters to God. Because there are people in your workplace who are looking at you. And they're noticing you. And they are watching you. And they are forming an impression of you. And it's not just your boss or your boss's boss. It's your coworkers. It's your subordinates. It's your clients. It's your customers. It's your clients' customers. It's the guy that fixes the copier, the guy that delivers the water, the guy that always comes in to eat but never leaves a tip. All of those people are watching you. And they are forming an opinion of you, and they are either noticing you or not noticing you. Now, before we go, I want to address one thing because I know that a lot of you in the room today are students, and you're still in school, and you may be tempted to dismiss everything that I'm saying because you don't have a job yet, and you don't work yet. But if you ask any student and you say to them that they don't work, they'll tell you they work, they just don't get paid, but they do a lot of work. And just because you are working but you're not getting paid doesn't mean that you aren't in a workplace. You, every day that you go to class, that you go to the bookstore, that you go to the Starbucks across the street from campus, you are in someone's workplace. And so these same principles apply to you. It may be classmates instead of colleagues, it may be professors instead of bosses, But these principles apply to you. And here's the great thing for you. If you are able to get hold of the principle that we are going to talk about today, you are going to be so much better off than everyone else. Because getting these principles and making them a part of who you are will not only help you when you are in your job, they will help you find the best job. And that's important to God. Because what God recognizes is that you play a very important role in the lives of every one of the people that you interact with in your workplace. And the reason that I say that is because of something that Jesus said. And if you are a church person, if you have grown up in church, if you grew up reading the Bible, then it's something that you've heard many, many times before. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to narrow its application to the workplace. Because if we understand how it applies to your workplace, to my workplace, then it has the potential to change how we view the workplace. It's in the book of Matthew, which was written by a guy named Matthew, and it's in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along, but it's a very familiar verse, and it says this, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You are a light. You are the revealer. And normally when we think of world, we think of globe. We think of the earth. We think of the entire world. But today in the context of what we have been talking about in this series and in the context of what Jesus has said, what we're really talking about here is that that word world is actually our spheres of influence, our spheres of influence. And all of us have three primary spheres of influence. You have your family, you have your friends, and you have your work. Now, many of you have already given up on trying to influence your family. I have three younger brothers. I am never going to influence any of them. So I don't even bother with it. And for many of you, you probably have family that you want to make sure that they don't influence you. right? So there's family. And then you have your friends, but then there's work. And for most of us, we spend most of our time at work, with the pe- and, the, and the people that we work with, we spend that time with them more than we do with our friends. Some of us, we spend time with the people that we work with more than we spend time with the people that we live with. So when you think about your spheres of influence, when you think about the worlds that you have influence in, the most important one, the one that you give your, the most of your time to, the one that you give the best hours of your day to, is work. And in that context, Jesus is saying that you are the light of the three spheres of influence, the three worlds that you have influence in. And one of those primary worlds is your workplace. So we can actually look at this verse and say this, you are the light of your workplace. That's what you are. But we really don't think that. right? We we don't really go into work with that mindset. When we go to work, we think about, what are the things that I have to do? We think about, man, I am not getting paid near enough for all of this that I have to do. Right? We think about how much we love our job, how much we hate our job, how much we don't want to lose our job, how much we really, really deserve that promotion. Those are the things that we think about, and there is nothing wrong with that. But Jesus is saying, listen, while you were there and while you're working on all those things, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but there is something else going on. Because while you are there, you are the light of your workplace." He goes on in this verse and he says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now, in our context today and where we live and where most of us have lived our entire lives, this makes no sense. Because when I look out on the hilltops, there are a thousand cities. I can't tell where one city ends and one city begins. But in this time, to the people that Jesus is talking about, it wasn't like that. There were no streetlights. There were no lighted highways. When it was nighttime, everything was pitch black except for the lights that came from the city. And the cities at that time were small, 50, 60, 100 acres. Which means when the lights were on in the city, that was all you could see. Starry, starry skies, total darkness, and then the light of the city. And this is what what Jesus is saying. He's saying, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, that's who you are when you're in your workplace. No one points to the city and says, hey, did you see the city? No one has to convince you to look at the city because in the darkness, the only thing that is shining is the light that comes from the city. And then he says this. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see saying listen when you're in your workplace you're going to do good things you're going to do good deeds and people are going to see it but for us if we don't think about what jesus is telling us we can go into this and think let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your work ethic and you can finally get that big promotion for us operationally in our lives that's what we think when we read this that's what we think when we are in our workplace that I have good deeds, I want them to shine so that people will think how cool I am and what a great worker I am and how much more money they should be paying me. And listen, isn't that why we go to work? Don't we go to work because we're trying to provide for our families, because we're, we're trying to pay our bills, we're, we're trying to make a living? And so when we go to work, we do a really good job and, and we want the light to shine on that. We want people to see that But for us, we want people to see that so they will notice me, how hard I worked, how well I cleaned, how well I treated that customer. And that's normal. We all want recognition. We want people to look at what we do and we want them to say, hey, you did a good job. And there is nothing wrong with that. I want to make sure you understand that there is nothing wrong with doing a good job and getting a promotion, doing a good job and having people notice that you do a good job. But Jesus' point is, is that along with people noticing you, along with people seeing the good job that you're doing, with all of that, while you are there, while you are trying to get the raises and trying to get the promotions, I want you to do your work in such a way That people will see your good deeds, that people will see all of the good things that you are doing, and that the more they see it, the more that they're going to be able to connect your good deeds and the commitment and love that you have for your heavenly Father. See, verse 16 actually ends like this. It says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's not just that. You want the recognition. You want the raises. You want the promotions. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is saying on top of that, the better that you do, the harder that you work, the more that people are going to be able to connect your work with your God. Now, Jesus said something else that wasn't specifically about work, but when we think about what he said in the context of our three spheres of influence this thing that he said clearly applies to our work now you've heard the term second mile service or going the extra mile right now what you may not know is that that imagery that that picture is actually it actually came from something that Jesus taught and we hear it all the time in the in the workplace but most people don't recognize that that was something that Jesus said See, in Jesus' time, a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion, uh, could force any non-Roman to carry his belongings for one mile. One mile. Anyone, as long as they weren't a Roman citizen, he could make them carry his stuff for a mile. And, And that's why when people would see Roman soldiers packing up their stuff, they would all disappear. Because they didn't want to be that guy or that girl that would end up having to carry his junk for a mile. And Jesus, knowing so well this practice in the culture that he was living in, he creates this imagery that exists today, that even today we use, but most people don't even associate it with Jesus. In verse 41, it says this, If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. In the original language, it doesn't say a soldier. It says, if anyone. Now listen, this is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, if anyone demands that you go one mile, go one mile but have a great attitude. He doesn't say, if someone demands that you go one mile, go one mile and smile real big. He doesn't say, go one mile and don't complain. He says, no. I want you to do something other than what everyone else does. He says when you are at the end of the one mile and the Roman soldier says to you, okay, you can drop it now. He wants you to say to him, no, I am volunteering to take it a second mile. See, what he wants is he wants this person that you are carrying this stuff for to look at you and to think, what is up with this guy? I mean, what is wrong with him? See, Jesus wants us to come to a place where we are shocking people with how we respond to them. He's saying, I want your behavior to shock the people that you see. Because a mile is no joke. A mile fully packed up with a Roman soldier's belongings, that is a lot of work. And Jesus is saying, don't just stop at one, go two. And he's talking to people who are living in a culture where they are literally forced under threat of death to do this, under conditions that you and I can't even imagine. And so now here we come into the 21st century and we bring into our context, into our workplace, this same principle. And we can apply that same principle here. If anyone hires you to go one mile, go two miles. So can I get a raise? Can I get a promotion? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get all of that. That's all a part of it. But Jesus is saying that he is after something more than just that. See, what he's saying is is that your workplace matters. And I want you to be the light in your workplace. That means you have to do something that is going to get their attention. You have to do something that is going to get them to a place where they are going to connect your second mile service with the fact that you are my follower. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, what you do where you do matters. Your workplace matters to God. And see, no one else is doing this. In your workplace right now, you know no one else is doing this. So if you do this, you will stand out. Uh, one of the, my favorite authors, uh, who, he was a real estate guy. Uh, you probably know him. His name is Zig Ziglar. And he has this great quote. He says, there are no traffic jams when you go the extra mile. See, there's no one else out there. When you give second mile service, there's going to be nobody around. You won't have to point to it, you won't have to take extra steps to make sure people will see it, you will be a light, you will be a city on a hill. And so Jesus takes this idea of being a second mile person and he does something that that connects the fact that you're a Jesus follower and that's why you work so hard. You're a Jesus follower and that's why you don't complain. That's why you speak well about your workplace and about the people that you work with. That's why you speak well about the people that you work for. That's why you have a better attitude than everybody else. And people will make that connection. And then Jesus says this thing that is so simple. It's so simple that we can't possibly miss it. And whether you're a Christian or not, you've heard this saying before. It's a very common saying, it's a very famous saying, but today I want you to listen to it in the context of what you do from Monday to Friday, or or from some of you, whatever days it is that you work, because some of you aren't Monday to Friday people, I know. So in the context of wherever it is that you do work, whenever it is that you do work. So listen to these words and keep your job and your marketplace in mind. And this is in uh, Luke six twenty seven, And this is Jesus talking. He's saying, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Do you have any enemies at work? Yeah. If you don't, you will. It always happens, right? And, and, and you'll say, But she hates me. And Jesus is saying, go do good. But you don't understand, she really hates me. And Jesus' response is, do good anyway. You see, this is what Jesus is saying. Look, if everyone she likes does good to her, she's not going to notice. We all do good for people that we like. But if someone that she hates does good to her, she is going to notice that. He goes on and he says, Bless those who curse you. Have you ever had anybody curse you at work? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now listen, I have been a Christian a long time. (laughs) Nobody does this. Nobody does this. I mean, we hardly pray for the people who are good to us. So for us to pray for the people that hurt us is unheard of. And what Jesus is saying to you and to me is that I want you to view those who appear to be against you in a completely different way. I want you to treat them differently than the other people that they mistreat. And and the people I imagine were, were looking at Jesus with this look of confusion on his face like some of you are looking at me right now. And so Jesus, in his wisdom, he's looking at them and he's thinking, "Hmm, how can I simplify this? How can I give them something easy and simple to hold on to? And then he says this in verse 31. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Have you heard that before? I grew up with it as do unto others, right? But do to others as you would like them to do to you. See, Jesus is saying is that when you get into a situation and you don't know what to do, You just think about how you would want to be treated, and then you do that. He's saying, as my follower, that's what you're supposed to do. Do to others as you would want them to do to you. That's how you follow me in your workplace. That's how you be the light in your workplace. That is how you let people make the connection between how you work, how hard you work, how late you stay, how much more you did than everybody else, That's how you let people make the connection between that and the fact that you are a follower of Jesus. He goes on and he explains, he says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love him. Right? If you're just nice to the people that are nice to you, no one's going to notice that. Everyone is nice to the people who are nice to them. But when you're nice to the people who aren't nice to you, they are going to take notice. He's not done. He says, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, you should, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. Now listen, when you really take a look at what he's saying, this is a tough one. Because some of you have people at work and you know, get along with them and you have decided that you're just going to ignore them. You're just not going to pay attention to them. You'll just continue to do your work. You don't hate them. You're not, you're not you know, trying to get them in trouble. But you have just decided that it is too much trouble for me to deal with that person. So I'm not going to deal with them anymore. Yeah. What do we do? And Jesus is calling you to something more than that. If you're only nice to the people at work that are nice to you, no one is going to notice that. But when you are nice to that co-worker who is always stealing your tables, (laughs) when you are nice to that co-worker who keeps trying to get your client, when you are nice to the co-worker who keeps trying to do things to make them noticed and not you, your co-worker is going to notice. See, Jesus is saying, don't be like everybody else. I want you to do this differently. I don't want you to take cues on how you behave by how other people behave. I want you to take your cues from me. I want you to treat people the way you would want someone to treat you. Because what God knows is, is that if you do that, someday, in some way, how you treat that person is going to make a difference in that person and they are going to be able to connect how you treat them with the fact that you are a Jesus follower. And he goes in verse 35 and he says, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be acting as children of the Most High. You know why? Children of the Most High? Like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. They're going to see you and they're going to know what God is like. But you have to make the decision You can either respond to people in the workplace the way that they respond to you. But Jesus is inviting you to a different kind of life because you are the light of your workplace and your workplace matters to God. So what we really have is the golden rule of work. The golden rule of work. And the golden rule of work is this. Work unto others as you would have others work unto you. Work unto others as you would have others work unto you. Are you the boss? Then you boss unto others as you would have others boss unto you. Manage unto others as you would have others manage unto you. Sell unto others as you would have others sell unto you. This is a hard one if you're a salesman because sometimes a salesman... You have to push junk on people. I know that. I was in sales for many, many years. Sell unto others as you would have others sell unto you. How about this one? Uber unto others as you would have others Uber unto you. Right? So where are you at? What do you do? Here's the last one. It's a fill in the blank blank unto others as you have others as you would have others blank unto you what's your job what do you do what does it look like to do whatever you do unto others the way that you would want others to do whatever you do unto you what would that look like you see the reason that this golden rule of work is so important is Because in your workplace, actually in everyone's workplace, our natural tendency is to treat the people below us the way we were treated by the people above us. Right? That's what our natural tendency is. There will always be this pull to treat those beneath you the way you were treated by those above you. And when we get to a place where there are people underneath us, we get into this mindset where we think, now it's my turn. Now I get the chance. Now I get to do to them what was done to me. And Jesus is saying, listen, not my followers. You do not look to other people as the guide for how you are supposed to behave. You are supposed to look to your heavenly father. You are supposed to work unto others as you would have others work unto you. And can you imagine what this would look like? I mean, I think we all can, right? I mean, I have been in the workplace before and I have seen, and I know that you have seen glimpses of this in other people. That you have seen moments where somebody has gone way out of their way to do something extra for no reason. You may have noticed it in yourself where you had a job that you were doing or a client that you were dealing with, or a patient that you had to take care of, and you went the extra mile. And you didn't do it because people, you wanted pe- that person to notice you, but they ended up noticing you anyway. And your coworkers ended up noticing you. And maybe even your boss ended up noticing you. Your workplace matters to God. In fact, your workplace matters so much to God that He put you there to be a light in your workplace. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds good, but that is hard. So you Christians, you go ahead, do what you're going to do, but that is too hard for me. And I get that. And listen, if you are here today with us and you are not a Christian, or if you're listening to us online and you are not a Christian... One thing I know is this. If you see that this, what we've been talking about today, is the standard that Christians are called to, and if you start to see in your workplace that this is the standard that Christians are actually starting to live by, then even if you're not a Christian, wouldn't you want to work with Christians? I mean, even if you're not a Christian, wouldn't you want to have Christians working for you? Wouldn't you want Christians to be the ones that were serving your meals, cooking your food, teaching your kids, representing you in court? I mean, even if you're not a Christian, wouldn't you be glad that there are Christians in your workplace? That is how the people you work with will make the connection between how you work and the God that you serve. Now, next week, we're going to talk about why your workplace matters to God. But until then, Jesus followers, listen to me. On Monday morning or whatever morning or night it is that you go into work next, I want you to remember that you are the light of your workplace. So, Bring your great attitude to work. Bring your excited energy to work. Bring it early. Bring solutions. Quit responding to others the way that they respond to you. You are better than that. The next time you check into work, shock somebody into how far you're willing to walk with them for that second mile. And if you get confused, if you get to a place where you just don't know what to do, if you forget everything else, then just remember this. If you are a follower of Jesus, then it is your responsibility to work unto others as you would have others work unto you. And Jesus says, if you do this, your reward will be great. And you will be a child of the Most High because you will be doing to others what your heavenly Father has done to you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.